Oh man. Money was good. How you been? Man, I've been doing all right. Man, we're doing all right. How you been? I've been all right. I've been all right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Money and Belly Podcast. I'm your co-host, Belly. And I'm your co-host, Money. Yeah, back again with another episode, y'all. Yeah, back again with another episode, season one, episode 11. What we about to get into now? Well, uh, unfortunately, it's the boring edition for this segment. Because we got we to get to it eventually. We should have done it earlier, but, you know, we're here now. Yeah, yeah, we have one of our moments where we're doing something that we should have been. But as we explained in, you know, episode negative one, part two coming out still. Uh, yeah, we ain't forget you. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, so, like, one of the boring parts that we're going through is terminology. And this is definitely important, you know, especially for you newcomers out there, uh, whether, whether you're going into the crypto market or whether you're going into the stock market. So when you're looking up some stuff or when you're watching, you know, these other YouTubers or whether you're reading about it when you do your research, you're going to come across, like, a lot of these words that you haven't heard or seen before, you know, because they only use, you know, for these uh, markets like most of them, especially cryptos, because they got they even got their own slang. So, I think it's important to learn all that you know to further better your research. So you so you won't have to keep looking looking up words like what is this and what is that. You know when you going going to the um, going on Google, just find out all these words and all these definitions. That is true. Yeah, so I'm gonna get started. You know, like on the crypto side, um, since they got their own words and stuff, get that out the way. But um, and oh yeah, know that um, they they do have the same, they do have the same terms used for both of them too. And then crypto's just you know got more added to it also. So I'm gonna start off with like um the word hodl. You know, is one of that slang words or hodl, whatever you want to call it. I'd be saying hodl. But, you know, the same thing, you know, H-O-D-L. They, they just replaced the two letters at the end. Like you're switching to D-N-L. So, so now it's HODL, which means you're holding, you know, onto your assets. You're holding for the long run. So HODL is just another word for hold, like literally. Because <laughs> I keep hearing it, you know, in the video, even the bearable bull said it's like, yeah, and we're going to hold strong. So I was, so I already knew what it meant. Just use a context clues, but I was like, hold on, hold on. Let me make sure I know what it means. I googled it anyway. <laughs> Don't ask us how the term came to be. I'm assuming probably somebody accidentally spelled it wrong in the chat, or they did it intentionally, and it just stuck. Hodel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it's it sound it sound like it too. Because every time I hear hold. Like her hodl, you know, at first, I, you know, it was easy to, I mean, of course, it's going to be easy to remember. You switch the two letters. Well, but, but like, I, I think of the word uh, yodel, too. <laughs> and one of the people had those, you know, throats that like, like that be hanging out. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like a chicken waddle. <laughs> but yeah, hodl. Yeah, hodl. That, um, that's, that's one of the, one of the slang words, you know, and wrecked too. I mean, it, it's the same word, you know, as the actual word wrecked. 
but I think they spell it <laughs> spell it differently too, like R E K T. You got to get wrecked, especially when um, people fall for some of these scams, which involves a couple of words that I'm gonna go over too. But in the meantime, I'm gonna just start from the beginning, you know, and talk about crypto while using you know some of these terms, like um, like blockchain. Okay, so blockchains are a form of DLT. And then when you research, you know, um, companies that's going to be using blockchain, most likely you're going to bump into the word blockchain or DLT. Now, DLT is an acronym for this. um, It's either decentralized or digital. Uh, ledger technology but that's what um, blockchains are because they use blocks like just like I said in the other um, other episodes that it's, it's another way to store information so they store information that little like literally blocks you know whether you talk about transactions or something else they store it in these blocks and then they have a chain of them I mean it's all in the name so blockchain so you're going to be hearing especially blockchain you're going to be hearing the word blockchain a lot so it's just another so it's just another way of programming and to have information actually more visible and more secure so it's going to be so secure you know it's going you know it's going to be hard to copy like be hard to take like do all that and you can still have the information visible you know because it's it's harder to hack and, it, and it's not just in cryptos. It could be anything, too. Like I said in the previous episode, like you can take a song or you could take like a recording or you could take some art and then just put it in the blockchain, basically. So like when you see a lot of blockchain, that's what the definition is. And what is in these blockchains is, um, you know, smart contracts. Like um, when you research Ethereum, you're going to be seeing smart contracts or like Ethereum smart contracts. So smart contracts are programs within the blockchain that make the coins do what it do, you know, like make you able to lend coins or, you know, swap or do all that other stuff like within the Ethereum network that um, that's smart contract. So I'm going to give an analogy for it. So it's like you go into the vending machine and then you get you know, like a soda or some chips, whatever object that you um, press the buttons for, there's no middleman. It's just you and a machine and a program. So you put uh, what you want, which is an agreement, and then, they, you know, the program just gives it to you. So so that's what smart contracts are. They're um, already a predetermined set of rules that are executed when there's an agreement, you know, with no middleman at all. So you do the action and they, then um, that's, then you get the result. So that's what a smart contract is. And you're going to be seeing that a lot too, you know, especially when you research uh, cryptos like Ethereum, like I already said, or whether you research Tron, they do all that. And that's why they're able to have other projects going on to their, you know, and 
um, in the form of tokens. And I'm going to explain what tokens are, too. So um, this is another thing you're going to be saying, like, okay, wait a minute. Is this a coin or is this a token? Like, what's the difference? Well, they're both cryptos, you know, like coins and tokens. Like, the whole coin is, is its own thing. It doesn't rely on something else for you to transfer it or sell it. You know, like Ethereum, it's its own platform, Tron, it's its own platform, but it has other coins made from it. You know, both of them have other coins made from them called tokens. So that's a way for companies to actually use a platform to make their cryptos, you know, without doing everything from scratch. You know, they, they aren't, they, it's coming from another chain, but the catch is they need that coin for them to do what they do um, or for the people to do on what they do with their coins. So for example, like chain link being made from Ethereum, like you buy, like, yeah, you buy some chain link, but you're going to need to have Ethereum stored so you can burn that to do whatever you want to do with your chain link, whether you want to swap it for another coin or whether you want to transfer it to another wallet or transfer it to, to an exchange to sell it. So, so that's the difference between tokens and, um, you know, and a whole coin, you know, and then there's another, and then, and it leads to another word called mainnet because tokens can turn into its own thing too. It won't be a token no more. It just be a whole coin and probably having you know tokens made from it. Like I'm um, trying used to be a token of Ethereum, but now it establishes its own mainnet, its own platform, like its own blockchain basically. So Tron is a separate separate blockchain from Ethereum that used to be on Ethereum's blockchain. Now it's separated, and now it's having tokens made from that. So when it says, um, so when you look at chats and seeing if people saying, are they going to have their own mainnet? Or when you do your research on certain tokens that are about to become coins and saying this, the network behind them established its own mainnet, yeah, that means it's, it got its own chain. It's no longer part of um, the former chain. So <clears throat> when you see mainnet, um, that's, a, that's, um, that's what it goes by. That's, that's what you're going to um, see when you research. So now you know what um, the difference between cryptos, tokens. Now you know what a mainnet is. Now it's time for you to learn what an ICO is. Just like um, stocks have an IPO, initial public offering, um, cryptos, have an ICO, you know, initial coin offering. And then that's when a company, you know, just put out a new coin and then you can get it, you know, for, you know, for the lowest price. I see. So that's an ICO. And, and you know, I, I learned that, you know, um, after I learned what an IPO was, I was like, okay, okay, crypto got their own thing. It's called ICO. Uh, that's easy to remember, you know, if you, especially if you used to do stocks. So, um, that's another term for you. Now I'm going to go over like um, the terms people like you're going to see when you researching scams or, you know, researching people doing the scamming. So there's a thing called pump and dumps that I explained um, where people having most of the shares, right? They come out with a coin and then the price goes up. And then people have, well, especially now the founders having uh, most of the shares driving the price down. Now people lost money. 
and they have more because they have most of the coins. You know, just like, you know, when Elon Musk <laughs> pump and dump that Doge coin, I know y'all know that. <laughs> but he used but he used his influence though. That's that's different, but he still did it. <laughs> yeah, so make sure y'all check out episode nine, The Danger Returns, where at that time we was we went a little bit in more detail talking about influences. But the whole Elon Musk and Dogecoin was a perfect example of a influence. So you're right on that. <laughs> oh yeah. And it just and it just keeps on happening too. <laughs> like he'll do the same thing like he did with Twitter. So he can use that as an example. <laughs> bought bought it just to raise the stock up and dump it. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, that's a that's a um pump and dump for you right there. So that's you gotta watch then that's like one of the risks of you know getting into an ICO. You know, is you know, new project just coming out, you know, and you ain't gonna learn too much about it, but hopefully learn enough to um see, you know, to not to whether you want to trust it or not. So um I can so I can tell you right there, like I seen, you know, personally, you know, some people uh some people fall for it. You know, I even fell for one when I was new. And did it come back up? No. <laughs> <laughs> Which um how much, which uh, reminds me of a rug pull too. See, rug pull and pump and dumps, yeah, they're related, you know, but they're still different. Um, rug pull is actually worse, uh, in my opinion, because like they actually steal liquidity out, and then that's that's the money um, backing it and you know making cryptos easier to trade at that too. So, and then, and then when they do that, they run with the money, all that money, and the price is never going back up. Just like uh, one of the things I mentioned before, which is um, a coin called Squid Game when the show came out. Like, there's li literally videos of people watching it go straight down after that big uptrend. So that's one of the examples right there. That that's um another thing scammers doing. That's how, you know, people get hurt. That's another risk of you know, risk of an ICO when you invest in something that just came out. I'm not saying don't do it, but you know, even research just enough to determine whether you want to trust it or not, or just throw a little bit of money in there. It's, I mean not financial advice, you know, you know, just this this is just for information and entertainment purposes, but yeah, that's the risk. And also, when I talk about stealing liquidity, that reminds me of a word of um, liquidity providing. See, it has like liquidity providing is not uh, stealing liquidity. It's actually it's actually the opposite, giving liquidity. So when you do your research, and then you're trying to find like pass uh, ways to make passive income or you're just researching crypto, you might bump into LP or liquidity, liquidity providing or liquidity providers. <clears throat> so what liquidity providing is, is um, like I said, is another way to make passive income because you can earn fees, you know, earn a percentage of the fees um, when you liquidity provide because you um, 
locking up your coins in a liquidity pool. And then that and then that's how you earn the fees when you um do it for a certain coin like Uniswap or you know, um all these other exchange coins. But um the benefit of it is you're making the coins more tradable at that too. So when you put more money into it, it's easier to exchange it for something else of value or US dollars. So it can make it easier to trade, make it easier, you know, to swap because it got so much, uh, you know, because it got such a large liquidity pool. You know, you got people actually put money into it and then they earn the money off each transaction, you know, a percentage of it. But that's also risky. And then when you look at videos or do your research, you'll see like it, it's a whales game. People with a whole lot of money, which makes sense anyway. But the risk of it is impermanent loss because you have to pair it with another coin. So if you got like Uniswap and you're a liquidity provider, you're probably going to pair it with Ethereum or something like that or a stable coin, which I'm going to go over again what a stable coin is. But like you have to pair it with a coin and they both have to match, like go up at the same time or go down at the same time. But if one one go up and one go down, you're going to suffer some impermanent loss, which means you're going to lose money. The, and you have to wait to see what it do. So, so that so that's some of the terms that you're gonna see when you like research like how to actually earn passive income, or if you look up what liquidity providing or what liquidity pools are. You know, even Tron does the same thing. You know, look um, liquidity pool. Like you can be a liquidity provider in that too. So now I'm gonna talk about stable coins because that's what you can use also, and then which is actually common because they stay at the same price anyway. Um, you know, all, a lot of them, like all of them are pe like pegged to the dollar. They're trying to match the dollar's value, you know, like stay at a dollar. They can drop down to like 99 point something cents, but still, you know, go back up to a dollar and then just go, you know, go a little bit, a few cents down, but they're stable. You know, they, they're still a dollar. That's, that's what a stable coin is. And then you can use those coins to keep the same value Whenever you want to, uh, you know, sell and make a trade, like you selling, you know, like, like when you gain ten thousand dollars, right? And then you want you want to sell that, but you want to keep it in the coin so you can like reinvest it for later, or you just don't want to sell it just yet and get taxed. You know, people will put that in the stable coin. You know, just one to one with the dollar. You know, stay around that same that same price of the, of the dollar. You know, so you got stable coins like tether and USDC and DAI, there's like several of them, but they're not, but they're not all the same because you have to look at the backing too. Some are backed by real US dollars and some are backed by other coins, you know, like algorithmic stable coins, like programs and other coins. And then some claim that they're backed by the dollar, but are not. And they, and then they say they're backed by multiple assets, such as commercial papers like Tether. So and then some, you know, are just backed by. Well, I already I already said that. So um, that's what you gotta. <clears throat> that's what you got to research also, like when you um and and then and I've seen a lot of people get confused when they look at look up look at the word stable coin too. I mean, even I did too. It's like, what does stable coin mean? Okay, that's a stable coin. So it's good to put that put that out there again, just like um. 
<clears throat> just like I explained in the um, other episodes, especially the danger returns when I talk about, you know, the Terra Luna, you know, the algorithmic stable coin, the USDD, and how are those different from USDC, which has real dollars backed by it. So other than that, that's what, um, that's what stable coins are. Now, what's common with stable coins also is trading pairs. Because even though Tether that I warn is not, you know, fully backed by the U.S. dollar, it's still the most commonly used um, stable coin when it comes to trading pairs. And then just stable coin, period, like it's number one, you know, because because it's the most commonly commonly used. Trading pairs are when you use another crypto to buy other cryptos from, you know, from another exchange. Like if you're going on BitTrue. And then you um, doing a trading pair, whether you selecting Bitcoin or Ethereum or USDT or USDC. Those, those are common for people buying those coins to get the coins that are actually, you know, harder to get or, you know, just get other coins, period. So so that's what a trading pair is like, for example, of a trading pair, like you go on a centralized exchange like Coinbase and then you buy some Ethereum or some USDT and then you deposit it into the account of the exchange that you're trying to buy a coin that's harder to get like XRP. And then you're trying to buy some XRP with that. Like you have to deposit. So you have to buy it from the centralized exchange, like Coinbase, like an easy exchange, you know, where you get to buy it with your card the quick way. And then you deposit it into something like BitTrue. So you deposit it into there and it'll show how much you got available in your account to make that trade. And then you just set the, um, how much you want to get for it. And then there you go. Then you just made, uh, made a trade, you know, doing the trading pair because the trading pair, like how they're listed, like what you're going to see is, is, um, flash another coin. So if you use an Ethereum or USDT for a trading pair, it's going to be USDT slash XRP or Ethereum slash XRP or BTC, which is Bitcoin slash XRP, if you're making one of those trading pairs, it's going to show it like that. So when, um, so when you see that, just know, yeah, that, that's, a tra that's an available trading pair. You, you're able to get this coin to buy this coin, which not a lot of people like, and I understand that. <laughs> I understand why, you know, it's a harder way. <laughs> it's a harder way to get it. And then another way to get it, you know, is swapping, which I explained. You know, in the previous episodes, you know, what like swapping and um, trading pairs are, too. But right now I'm just going over the uh, terminology and breaking it down. So that's what um, trading pairs actually are. So I went over stable coins and I went over trading pairs too. kind of went over liquidity, you know, which is like backing the coin and um, making it easier when I um, listed like liquidity pools and uh, trading pairs and everything too. All right, now let's talk about hot wallets, actually hot and cold wallets. So that's that's what you're gonna um, see, especially cold wallets. You know, um, some, some YouTubers say hot wallets, but if you're looking for a word for like software wallets, like especially the ones that you can download, you know, um, that's a hot wallet. So that that's when you store your cryptos 
from off the exchanges, you know, and then you send, send that to the app that's going to hold your cryptos so you can be more in possession of your private keys. And what private keys are, you know, the, um, they're, they're the seed phrases that you write down, you know, whether it's 12 or 24, whether they're letters or numbers, you write them down and you don't give them to anybody. You don't let nobody see them. You don't even store them in your device, you know, because viruses can pull that up. You write it down on a piece of paper, store it in the safe place. Your crypto is on a software wallet. It's in the app. <clears throat> so that's what a hot wallet is. Or, you know, um, or it could be on the website, too. You know, like if because um, some wallets are in the Chrome extension. I'd be using my own word like browser wallets with those. But that's a hot wallet, too. But the better hot wallets, in my opinion, not financial advice, are the ones that you download. Now, I'm about to get into cold wallets because, in my opinion, that's even better because they're off the computer. Your private keys are off the computer. They're, they're like, like hardware devices that look like drives, like Ledger and Trezor, you know, are, are um, examples of hardware wallets, cold wallets, you know, or cold storage, whatever you prefer to call it, bars. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um. Yeah, and then I, and then I have both, you know, you know, especially if you end up getting getting different coins. But other than that, in my opinion, you know, and, and a lot of other people's opinion, is the safest way, you know, because it's off the computer, you know, off the, you know, browsers, you know, off the internet. Like you just have your uh, C phrases. Well, I mean, yeah, your your cryptos just um, off the computer, and you plug it back in just to see them. So. That's what hot and cold. And then which reminds me, like you're going to be seeing sometimes IOUs, like when you're waiting for a certain coin to come out, but then they let you buy it before it's even out. It's called called an IOU. So you trade those to actually get the real coin. Like, for example, Flare doesn't even come out to the 4th of July so far, but, you know, they keep pushing it back. So I can't even, you know, give you a guaranteed date. You know, now I just got to see it to believe it but you're able to still purchase the coin like on certain exchanges or swap for it in the form of an IOU. So when the coin actually comes out, then you can actually trade it in for the actual real coin. So um, other than that, um, yeah, that, that's all the, that's all the terms involving crypto. Um, I mean, there's there's more, but that this this is a lot of the um most of it is you know crypto's own thing. So now I'm about to pass the mic off to Avelli on this one. Appreciate it, and at the same time, we ain't trying to kill you with information either, because like Money said, there's a lot of uh, terminology to go on around here, and we're still assuming that most of the viewers listening are beginners, so. Even on my side, when it comes to my terminology, I'll try to keep it beginner-friendly as much as possible. But I'm still, I'm, I'm just going to dive into information. So, like, to start off with my side, when it comes to stocks, I think the first one you should know, which is I've been pushing it these, all throughout the episodes, is what are shares? And... Again, we've discussed it time and time and again. Shares are pieces of the company that you can purchase at a certain price on a broker platform. 
shares are just pieces of the company that you can buy at a certain price, buy or sell, trade at a certain price. Those are what shares are. Now, as you're getting into the stocks, like say as a brokerage platform, as you're getting on it, you're going to see some things on there like market price. And I know some of you wonder, what is a market? What's market price? Market price has something to do with the share. Like to give you an example, um, it might even be the best uh, example, like a bag of chips. Everybody knows kind of like a bag of chips costs like a dollar fifty. That's the market price. That's the demand for it. We're willing to purchase these bag of chips for a dollar fifty. When prices go up, they might spike it to a dollar seventy-five. Now around, I wouldn't say the world, at least I know for the states in the US, those bag of chips will now cost a dollar seventy-five. That's the market price for those bag of chips around a dollar seventy-five. When you go buy a car, you're looking at a certain type of car. Like uh, the tr- uh, you're looking at a certain I don't know a truck. You'll see the market price for the for that particular type of truck might be twenty thousand dollars. Considering you know all the facts around it, the market price for that tr- truck is twenty thousand dollars. It's the same thing that applies to um the stock market when you're buying or let's just say when you're trading with a certain company or a certain share each share is going to have a certain market price. That market price is going to fluctuate depending on the time, when you buy and you know, how much and all that stuff. So again, I think that's kind of important. You need to know the market price because that goes to reading the charts and a whole bunch of other terminology we can get into a little later. So the next thing I kind of want to get to, and um. FYI, I'll probably make some TikTok shorts or YouTube shorts of a video kind of showing some of the main terminology I want some people to understand. So that will be coming out probably within the next, I would like it for it to be next week, but to give myself some room, I'll say the next couple weeks, but I will definitely have some videos up showing exactly what I mean of when I'm talking about market price volatility, stop loss, ticker symbols, all that stuff. I will have some shorts, uh, video shorts up there. So y'all can um, check that out. But, you know, I'm um, getting off track. So yeah, the next Nelly, thing. Uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, now, nah, Nelly Shorts, James Edition's on the way. That's a little inside joke, so. <laughs> uh, oh, let me see. The next one I want to talk about is, you heard me say before, is the term called an all-time high. When it comes to stocks and cryptos, these are interchangeable. All-time high is basically when the price of that particular stock or crypto is at its highest that it's ever been. That's what we mean, the all-time high. Like when you talk about basketball, the, the all-time you know, greatest player, whatever. With cryptos and stocks, the all-time high is the, the greatest price that we have seen as far as going up, like the highest the price has ever been. That's what the all-time high is. 
And we always caution everybody, don't always die at the all-time high. That's why a lot of investors, I'm not talking about the intermediate ones. I'm talking about just brand new people coming in, wanting to buy stocks because everybody else is in it or they want to try to uh, get into it for a hobby. Do not buy at the all-time high. This is why reading the chart will help you out. Like I said, I'm going to create some little shorts uh, for y'all to watch and to understand what I'm talking about. For, for right now, you just going to have to, you know, just listen to me go over these boring terminology. Yeah, bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> you bear with me the first half. Now you got to bear with him the other half. Exactly. I feel like I might fall asleep to myself. Like <laughs> <laughs> drool on the mic. <laughs> oh man. Because I don't I want to speed through this, but I don't want to confuse anybody. So another thing I want to get into. When you hear on the news or when you read in certain articles, you might hear someone or someone say like, for example, the Dow Jones dropped uh, 200 points today or, you know, the New York Stock Exchange is up 300 points. It sounds like it would be complicated. It, there's really no complicated thing to it. It was just to ease the process of passing on information. Usually. The points represent the dollar. So instead of saying. Like, I don't know that uh, SPYX was worth like $4,232 and it went up to $4,325. Instead of saying that long word, we'll just say SPYX went up three points. Or the Dow Jones is up three points. Instead of saying it went up $300 and a certain amount of change. Like no. a certain switch. Yeah, we just switch it to points. It's just easier to say, easier to pass on information. It went up 300 points. It lost 200 points. It's just easier for us to say and understand, and it's just quicker. That's all it is. It's not complicated. Um, Another one I wanted to get into was... We all heard of a bear market and a bull market. So I'm pretty sure all of you know, but again, I'm going to go over it. A bull market essentially is just when the prices of majority of the stocks are up. They're just going up straight to the moon. Like it's everything's in the green for the day. Prices up for the stocks. Companies are doing good. When you look at the chart, you see the line. It's not vertically going up. It's like an incline. It's like going up some steps. You'll see an incline going up. That's a bull market. Everything's going pretty good. For most people, that's what we like to see because, you know, that means companies doing good. Economy-wise, it also mean we're doing good. The company you invested in and your other investments means they're going up too. So all in all, that's good. The bear market is completely the opposite. It's the complete opposite. Oh, the prices are going down. Sometimes they can look like they're falling off a cliff or like you're going down some steps. It's the complete opposite. Now, the easiest way for me to remember it is a bull market. The bull, the horns go. 
in a bear market, when the prices go down, the bear swipes his paw down. That's how, when I first started, how I remembered it. Bull, the horns go up. For a bear market, the bear swipes down. So that should be easy enough to remember. Now, yeah, when we start... Stock course too. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's what I had to learn when I was doing the course, too. It made it easier for me to remember. That was the only way I could remember. It was funny. I didn't even take a course. Unfortunately, you know, <laughs> I'll give y'all all this advice on what to do and what not to do. I literally just hop right in it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, uh, that's the easy way to remember. Bull, the horns go up, bear swipes down. That's how I remember. I just kind of hopped into stuff. Unfortunately, that's kind of how I am. Like, I still did a little bit of research, but no, nah, I, I just hopped in. But responsibly. Uh, whatever you do, please be responsible. Not financial advice, but it, it, yeah, please be responsible. It's easier to get wrecked. You know, like one of the words I'm going to use with the K and the T instead of the C and the K. <laughs> Than it is to actually make you know make the money, so be careful. Exactly. Like I hopped in, I think I want to say it was like two hundred dollars, but I already kind of knew what the stock market kind of was. I just didn't know all the nuances of it. So I knew with me having two hundred dollars, I was willing to lose that two hundred. I didn't know everything, but I knew enough that I can potentially lose this money. Only put in what you're willing to lose. I do that with with anything kind of like in my life anyway, as far as other things. Like be responsible when it comes to like gambling or stuff like that or buying something. Only put in what you're willing to lose because it might not be what you want it to be. So when it came to stocks, it was the same way. I had 200, but I was willing to lose that 200. I knew it wouldn't affect me too much. Yeah, sure. Losing $200. Yes, it, it sucked. But I was willing to lose that. But, you know, again, I'm getting off course. So another one, like I said, I'm going to put up a video about this. It's something called volume. When you look at a stock chart, like when you click on one of the stocks, Apple, Spy, Twitter, Facebook, any of them, a chart will pop up. And, you know, you're going to see a line and a graph and all that. Now, near the bottom, you're going to see some bars. They're just going across the screen. They're going, to be, they're going to be red and they're going to be green. I know some brokerage platforms might be different. I'm going off. Um, I'm going off. Um, Was it not TD Ameritrade? Um, trading view. I'm going off a of trading view um, graph. All the volume does is basically indicate the buying and selling power. That's all volume is. It indicates the buying and selling power. And even more than that, it determines like how many people are trading this particular stock. Like you see high volume, that means this stock is, is getting traded by a large majority of people. When you see low volume, that means not too many people are literally trading this. Not necessarily they're making money. It's just that not too many people are trading this stock. So when you see low volume, not too many people are trading. Not to say 
any of them are selling or buying, it, again, it's a number thing. Not too many of them are trading. Not too many are taking action. When you see high volume, that means there's a lot of action going on. Regardless if it's buying or selling, it's a lot of action going on. Now, back to the colors, when you see red, that means it's a lot of selling going on. People are taking profit. They're selling. So when you see the volume stick and it's red, in turn, it should say a lot of people are selling. When you see the volume sticking is green, a lot of people are buying. I know, I know it's like a little bit too much information. Like I said, I will put out a video. But just know this. When you see high volume, when you see those bars high up, just know there's a lot of action going on. The color indicates whether they're selling it or they're buying it. And speaking yeah. of that, yeah, there's volume in um, crypto also, you know, the stocks and cryptos are similar, you know, like we talked about the last episode, like you'll see the same, you know, similar patterns, well, actually the same pattern, you know, um, it just be happening faster in crypto. But anyway, yeah, you'll see the same pattern and then you see those bars right under the chart, which, you know, is the volume also. Yeah, cryptos have it just as well. Like I said, they have volume pattern. It's all the same thing. Volume indicates action who's trading this particular stock or crypto bitcoin has a lot of volume we all know bitcoin right There's too many people in there <laughs> right right <laughs> and the people that don't know crypto yeah they know some bitcoin though yeah you know bitcoin so a lot of people trade bitcoin so i'm pretty sure the volume in that market is is, is pretty high well not not probably it is high so that's all that volume means so Regardless if you're investing or try to become a day trader, swing trader, this is especially more important for uh, tr uh, day and swing traders is to determine what's the volume for the day. Sometimes there's low volume. There's not much action going on. And sometimes there's high, high volume. There's a lot of action going on. All this can be read off the chart. Now, as far as a passive investor standpoint, I don't think they will necessarily worry too much about the volume because you're going in for the long haul for a day trade. The volume is very important, but again, regardless, I know passive investors might not look at it too much. Like I said, they probably don't have to, but I still would because who knows if it's a high volume trading day, the price might hike up. The price might be hiked up more than what you wanted to be as a passive investor. When it isn't, you know, our saying is to buy low, sell high. If there's a lot of volume going on that day, the price could be hiked up more than what you want it to be. I would wait till a low volume day or just you know, wait throughout the day and see where is that, where the volume falls and where the price sits at, then buy it for the low. So, like I said, it might not be too important to pass investors, but it still is important. So, again, we're still stuck on the charts. Again, I'm going to have to show a video. I'm going to keep saying it. But the next thing I want get to get into is called candlestick patterns. Now, again, each brokerage platform is different. Some just have the normal line going through the graph. Some have like the, I forget what you call it. You know, the one Weeble uses, right? Uh, money is the one, it's a line, but it has like a, uh, 
a little not grayed out, but colored area below it to show like the um the highs and lows of it. I forget what you call it. Boy, uh, what's what's the line? Uh, yeah, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting the names. <laughs> oh, I'm the same way. I, I, I'm I'm more I'm candlestick. That's what I want. I want candlestick patterns. So, oh yeah. Okay. Wait. Wait a minute. The Doji. Is it? It might be. I don't know. I can't remember. I'll probably put a video out about that. But yeah. the ones I usually use is candlesticks. It's easier to read. There's different uh, ones you can use, and it, and some not aren't even candlesticks. But for the majority, a lot of people use candlestick patterns. And the definition of a candlestick pattern is it's just a movement in price shown graphically on a chart. All that when you see those little red and green bars on a chart going up and down, it's just those little we call them candles. They just show the price movement graphically throughout a certain amount of time because when you click on the chart you could do a 5 10 15 minute who knows but if say if i do a five minute chart each candle represents five minutes of price movement if i do 15 minute each individual candle represents 10 minutes of price movement and so on and so forth once we start going to a 30 minute one hour two hour four hour a day or a week candlesticks just shows the movement and price on a graph and yep. so red and the green ones yes sir of course you know you can always you know change the colors of what you want it to be but it's best for me just to keep it red and green easy and simple but you know you do what you want to do yeah, for the lines. Yeah, I think it's just called the line, the line chart, or something like that. A line graph. It probably is because what's funny is I should have studied up on that, but I just knew that's not what I wanted. So you know, goodbye. Like, <laughs> don't care what your name is. I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, the passive investors are probably you know the ones most likely looking at the lines because, like Veli said, they don't have to worry about the um, you know, quick price, the volume too much. You know, like um. The buy buy and sell pressure, they just because they in it for the long run, you know they they holding. <laughs> yeah, they holding. <laughs> yeah, holding, you know exactly that's exactly what they're doing. Exactly. So, so they probably take a quick peek, you know, and then you know the line graphs they're just simple. There you go, take a look at it, and then just go on about that day. Exactly. Like Money said, the past investor is not worried about the price movement going on within five or ten minutes. That's more so of what I am. I'm a, a day trader. Of course, I can do swing trade, whatever, but for the most part, I'm a day trader. So I'm the one that's worried about price movement and all that stuff. A past investor like Money, he's just looking at the line. He wants to see long-term where it's, where it's going. For me, I need short-term. I need right now, within five, 15, 30 minutes, what's going on with this stock? What's going on with the price? I need to find out now. He doesn't need to worry about that. Money don't need to worry about that. Long run, he does. So he wants to see a line and get an idea where it's going. Yep, that's true. So, yeah, speaking about lines. <laughs> yeah, trending up, trending down. You know, like how it's been, you know, within a year or within the past two years. See if it follows the same pattern. 
you know, just like um, Variable Bull does in some of his videos, because you know, he, he's one of those investors that are in it for the long run, too, even though he has other strategies as well. You know, that that's just a good example of what he do. Or what, like, passive investors often do. That's true. And like I was just saying, speaking about lines, since we're talking about uh, the graphs, is, you no, know, we all love support and resistance. Yep. Which, if you didn't like, you know, volatility and all that stuff, when you read a chart, this, this will kind of help out, support and resistance. So support and resistance are like two different things. They're in the same category, but they're two different things. They're opposites. Support is basically the price point below the market price. It indicates a buying interest. Resistance is the price point above the current market price, and it indicates a selling interest. Now, to break it down, when you're looking at a chart, and then I'll use Apple for an example. I don't know the current price of it right now. I don't care. But for the sake of the argument, just believe me. Say Apple is trading or the current market price, which was one of the terms we used earlier, market price. The current market price for Apple is $160. Now, say it drops 20 points, which remember the points are pegged to a dollar. So it dropped 20 points. It's now worth $140. Okay, cool. It's worth $140. Go back up in price again. It's worth $160. Then it drops to $140 again. Now, I see how twice within that same day, it doesn't have to be the same day. It can be over a couple of days or weeks. Two different times, it hit $140. Around that area, that $140 mark, would be a support line, as we would call it, because for some reason, that price won't fall below $140. It'll spike back up to $160, $170, and for whatever reason, the price will fall down to around $140 and won't really fall below that $140 line. That will be your support line because it's supporting you. Because for some reason, it won't fall below that line. Yep, that's true. And then that, that's part of the... Um, basic that we've been talking about like if you're just not going super technical like you need to at least know that you know what the what the support and what the resistance is exactly these are just basics like volatility volume market price all those are, are basics i'm not going to dive into the other stuff i'm trying to again like i said earlier keep it beginner friendly so i'm trying to nitpick and figure out which ones are the most beginner friendly and important to you all right now. So yeah. that was, yep. no, nah, go ahead. And then even if it, um, you know, breaks a resistance and then fires an all time high, that it's still, I mean, and it does, then it's going to have a new support. Yeah, there's going to be, when you like what well, money said, there's going to be a new support and new resistance. I'll go over what a resistance is too, but to hop off of what he said, price is always fluctuating. Price is always changing. Even though you have that support at Apple at 140, say it keeps going there the third, fourth, fifth time, and finally it finally breaks down. 
now it's trading at like $120. That support line is no longer valid. It, it has gotten broken through. Think of it as like an, like an army. Somebody's trying to invade your castle. That support line is your castle. And the enemy is trying to break through your castle. They, and you have a wall. At first, they weren't able to break through it. They're hitting on the wall. They're hitting on the doors, but nothing's happening. Then finally, somehow they break through your first wall. Think of it as like that. You still have a whole bunch of other walls, but they broke through that wall. So that wall is no longer valid. That wall can no longer defend your city. Yeah. So that's just how I look at it. The other side of it is something called resistance. Now, let's go back to the Apple um, stock. Again, say Apple is trading at $160. Now, say we get a whole lot of volume. One of the key words, a lot of people are taking action. A lot of people are trading Apple stock. And so far, it's a lot of buying volume because we can see that it's green. Now, again, remember Apple's trading at 160. It starts to trade at 180. But then it comes back down to 160. We get a lot of volume again. It trades at 180. And then it falls back down in price. Again, it hit 180 one more time and fell back to around 160. That $180 area would be a resistance line because for some reason, we can't pass that $180 mark. It will keep going up and down. It will always hit $180, but it will never break through. That will be resistance. Again, just like support, we'll go back to an army um, reference. Now, say you're able to defeat your enemy. You're going out into the field, and they have just a wall of men, and you're trying to push through them, but they will not let you. Eventually, you're going to push through your enemy, and you're going to march forward. That's breaking through the resistance. Resistance and support lines are always changing because price fluctuates. Nothing's ever going to stay the same. So support and resistance go into a term we call um, technical analysis. It helps you read the chart and read the situation. It's not the end all to be all. It just helps support some theories or ideas or concerns you might have. It helps you read the context of the situation. It's just one of the many things that helps you read. It's not the sole one, just one of the many ones. So. Yeah, so I, when you um, research this and then you see like technical analysis or even TA because sometimes, you know, a few articles or um, few descriptions list TA that just know that's technical analysis. And then, and then that's what like more aggressive, you know, traders or more active traders do, you know, technical and they're more technical because it does help them because like that type of strategy, you know, instant gratification requires skill. So, yeah, uh, PA is the right, um, right way to go. Not financial advice. Yeah, exactly. Not financial advice. It's trying to help you out on some terminology. That's all that's going Yep. So another one I wanted to um, get into was if I still have it pulled up, 
is is basically I wouldn't say the buying power, but how you purchase stocks. And what I what I mean by that is there's certain ways you can go about purchasing a share. You can either do there's things called I'll go down the list. You have something called a limit order, a stop order, stop limit order, trailing stop order. Or you can do something called like a reoccurring investment. So I'll go over like what a limit order is. It's, it's just a type of order that provides instruction to only execute at a certain price. Example, if Apple is trading at around $150, maybe I got something going on my, on my, during my day. I can't watch it. I got to go to work. But I know it's going to drop in price in a little while. But I won't be there to execute or to be able to purchase that share because maybe I'm working at the time. So what I do, I would place a limit order. I will put in a limit order for, we'll say, $156. So what that limit order does, once you put that in, and to add on to it, say you want to buy like three shares. So I'll put a limit order at $156 for three shares. What that does is you go on about your day, and whenever throughout the day, it might take a couple weeks, who knows, whenever that price drops to around $156. The brokerage account you're on will automatically purchase your shares for that. That's what a limit order is. Yep. And there's, and some limit orders, you know, can be instant too. You know, I mean, I mean, it, yeah, you can wait a few days. Know, maybe a few hours or a few weeks, but don't be surprised. You know, if it was a few minutes, like after you um, placed the order, especially what um, when I did it with um, a crypto called Songbird, and I was doing a trading pair, um, like I, like I had described earlier in the episode, I was um, doing an XRP Songbird trading pair, placed the lemon order, and it, it settled instantly. Then I turned it back into XRP, it settled instantly. But so, <laughs> so it depends on the <laughs> deal. It depends on the asset too. But yeah, like I was saying, it can take long, like way longer than that too. Yeah, it definitely can. But like money saying, it can be instantaneous too. But the thing is, you don't know. That's why they have certain buying types that you can execute. That's now, true. That you listed, I ain't never even heard of either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, a few of them I've used, not all of them. Like I used to use um, limit order a lot because I'm going to give you an example, like market order. This is a perfect time to get into this uh, terminology. A market order, it provides instructions to execute as quickly as possible a tra and transact ah, a transaction at the present or market price. So what that means is whatever the trading price is for that particular stock, the market order will purchase it at that price, whatever it is. Even if it's at the all-time high, the market order will purchase it at the current price. The reasons why I don't like using market orders sometimes, or a, a lot of people don't, is 
it's happened to me multiple times where, again, let's say I'm trading Apple and it's worth $160. I'll purchase a market order and instantly execute it at that point in time right then and there. But something happened and the price would drop and now Apple is worth like $150. I've kind of, essentially, I wouldn't say I've taken a loss, but I could have gotten it cheaper. A market order instantly executes it. But by doing that, the price can fluctuate at any time. That's why I don't like market orders. And that's what's on most people's settings as well when they do cryptos or stocks as a market order. Yep, and then it's and then not only that, you know, I mean, yeah, it is a quicker way, but it's also like people feel like it's an easier way for them, especially when they just getting into it. Be like, oh, limit order, that sounds complicated. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but, <laughs> but they got to. <laughs> Here's a uh, another thing. The bad thing about a market order. I'll give you an example for um, Dogecoin. And here's another terminology. There's something called the bid and ask spread. All that is is the difference between what the people have to spend and what the people want to get. All it is is the buy and seller. The bid for, let's say, Apple is 160 And you can say, you know, the ask price is like, eh, we'll say what, 158. That difference is the bid ask spread. Now, I know you're wondering why I mentioned market order into this. Well, a thing I noticed because, again, I wasn't really paying attention back then. I guess I didn't really care either at the time. <laughs> Which you know me, how I am with that. What the bid ask spread has to do with the market order thing is, I know it happened with Robinhood, is because there's the bid ask spread that, say, Apple, or we'll say Dogecoin for this instance. When Dogecoin, the bid was 78 cents, the ask price was, we'll say, 75 cents. When you put in a market order, remember, it buys it instantaneously. So what Robinhood would do it will usually buy it at the highest price. Because remember, the bid was like 78. The ask price was like 75. It will buy it at 78 because that's what the market order do because it's still within that bid-ask spread range. So technically, it can do whatever within that spread range. So they'll go for the highest one and skim off the top, I guess, for themselves or whatever the case was. Couldn't really, you know defute that it is what it is but that's the problem with buying with the market order with when you buy with a limit order it literally specifically purchased the stock exact at the exact price you want market order is going to get whatever the price of the stock is in between the bid and ask spread hey yep now you know Exactly. That's why most people really don't do market orders or you really just don't care. You're just trying to execute it as quick as possible. Then go for it. Those are usually the only time most people do market orders when they fully well know what's going to happen, but they need to execute an order quickly. But I think that's more so into um, a day trader thing. But 
this will go for a passive trader as well because who wants to buy it at a more expensive price? Nobody. <laughs> exactly, nobody. <laughs> uh, that's why I'd be waiting a little bit on certain things. Even when they went down, I was like, I know it's just going to go down further. <laughs> <laughs> And when it do, I swap it. There you go. Master <laughs> at work. And then and then this is this is stuff that you get um better at hands-on too. You know, because we're telling you all these terms, but you're definitely gonna remember them, you know, when you research, especially when you do them hands-on. You're definitely gonna remember them when you do them yourself. Yep, that's true. So all these terminologies play a very important role a lot of them that i've said myself you'll hear them in the crypto market but again cryptos have some terminology you would never hear in stocks because don't forget they're a whole different field as well yeah that's true they're all different terms that i mentioned and yes a few of their own slang was <laughs> just some people just made up words and it stuck <laughs> <laughs> it got me using it. <laughs> That's what happens with life of a crypto investor. Exactly. Um, what was the other one I wanted to uh, get into? And then again, I guess um, a lot, a lot of the stuff he's saying, you know, you know, like that, that you're going to see, and not only that, um, they they apply. You know, these terms can apply to cryptos too. You know, because they're similar to that. You know, you know, crypto got a lot of their own words. You know, when he talks about volumes and different charts and, and patterns too, because you can even go on Trading View. You know, um, the, like a common place where people look up stock charts, and then you can enter cryptos like Bitcoin, and it'll it'll um show the pattern for that too. Oh yeah, it definitely does. That's uh, one one reason why I like TradingView. It does a lot of stocks, and just about all of uh all the cryptos, if I'm not mistaken. I won't say all of them, but a large majority of it. Yeah, yeah, it is a large majority of it. So like whether like you in one market, you in the other, or you you in both, like there there are platforms that you can see both. You know because you know they have the same concepts, like like I said, volumes, and then the same patterns, like know the uptrend downtrend and then you know the double bottoms you know the um, same patterns it's just the it's just the time it's just the volatility in the market <laughs> that's different exactly and the same word volatility exactly I was, about, I was just about to hop on that i said <laughs> we went over in the past episodes but again volatility is just how fast a stock moves up and down and by the stock moving incredibly fast up and down, that creates price swings. That's what volatility is, just how fast the stock is moving. That's all volatility is. If you see, if you look at a chart and you just see barely any movement, it doesn't have much volatility. But when you look at another chart, like Cryptos, example would be uh, the crypto market. Look at any of the crypto uh, currencies, Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, XRP, Hex, any of the ones uh, money has mentioned. If you look at their chart, the lines are all over the place. 
essentially they be they're going up. They'll go down too, but for the majority of the time they're going up. But there's still a lot of movement going on with that line. That's called it has a high volatility. That's why a lot of people from the stock side jump over to the crypto side because it has an extreme amount of volatility, way more compared than a stock market. So within that sense, technically speaking, you can make more of a profit or complete better trades. I won't say better trades, but more successful trades because more volatility is more chance, more opportunity. Yeah, especially, you know, you're an active trader. Yeah, it's perfect for you because that's all you that's all you're looking for. And you know what you're doing. Yeah, you can make it. Yeah, you can make a killing off it. Exactly. And then, exactly. Yeah, and then another thing too, like, yeah, cryptos, you know, with their volatility, they'll shoot up high fast and then, you know, they'll they'll drop, you know, just like Belly said, and just like I said in the early episodes, like fast and hard. But when they go up hard, you know, I mean, it, it reminds me of another word, too. It's called moaning. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like crypto is about the moon, like literally shoot up to the moon. Yeah, going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that just means it has, uh, they have high, ex- very, very high expectations for whatever crypto or for whatever stock. When it's going to the moon, it's like a rocket. It's going straight up. Yep. So it's either going to go to the moon. Or, you know, it's going to retrace a little bit, go to the moon. You know, then that's yeah. the word that you're going to be hearing to retrace it. Yeah. But like I said, we, we will try to keep it uh, beginner friendly. And I'm going to do one more terminology. I know uh, we're kind of closing in on that time anyway. So the last one, it's kind of a simple one. I'll get into more terminology later. And like I said, I'm pretty sure we've, we've bored you out to death enough. I bored of myself. I'm like just sitting here, like I'm just tired of this. But it's for y'all learning experience, and it's for your own good, I guess. The last one is broker. I know you heard us say a brokerage platform or go to your broker. What is a broker? It is a person or firm who buys and sells an investment for you in exchange for a fee. Remember, a broker is a person, which usually years ago, back then. Like you can even think of the nineties, early two thousand. You ever see, you know, those people talking about I have to call my broker because those are they're the middleman for you to buy and sell uh shares or investments. They were the middleman for you. You couldn't just, you know, do it on your own. You had to have a broker. But you know, nowadays we're up more on technology. You have Robinhood, T D Ameritrade, Weevil, Stash. Those are firms, companies. They're they are a brokerage, so they do it like they're still the middleman, but it's not like an actual person on the phone that you're talking to. So when we say brokerage platform, we mean things like Robinhood, Weeble, TD Ameritrade, cryptos have a brokerage too. Yep, yep, that's true. Like um, but yeah, crypto and then with cryptos, like we're more automated, like which uh, which is another term you know like you see called amm you know which is automated market makers so when you go on like um these exchanges and then make all um like especially the decentralized exchanges when you make all these swaps then um that that's all automatic right there mm. so oh yeah oh yeah then then another thing too like the, the D the D and DLT is distributed. 
So oh. <laughs> I'll try to remember that at the beginning. Now I all of a sudden just remember. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like that. You're like, you're completely like, you know what? I can't remember or whatever. And then all of a sudden it'll just pop up in your head. <laughs> yeah, because I had the right idea. I just couldn't put my finger. I said like, digital, decentralized. No, nah, distributed. <laughs> I couldn't let that one get past. So don't say I ain't think. You're just going to have to skip all the way to the end of here. <laughs> uh, you didn't watch the whole video. <laughs> who wants to talk about all these boring terminology? Cap. I am talking about limit orders, day trading, ICOs, IPOs, IOUs. Like, what is all this? <laughs> no way to watch all this. Exactly. They they just hearing all this. We haven't got the charts yet, but we going to. Like I said. I'm, yeah, I'm going to make some shorts. Like, trust me, because there's a, a plenty more terminology I want to go over. I'm not sure if we want to do another episode, or I can just make some shorts for that. But like I said, I think we've uh, kind of went over our time limit, and these are just things we w- we were thinking that that you're going to hear on a daily basis if you're going to partake in one of the markets, even both of them, either one. You're going to hear this ter- uh, these terminology a lot of times. So, again, we should have done this earlier in the series, but, you know, we were just kind of throwing – I wouldn't say throwing things together, but, you know, it's first time us doing something like this. I don't, I don't think we necessarily thought it all the way through, but that's how it goes. It's been working so far, but like I said, we're here now, so we put this episode out for you and put it together. Yeah, and then um, we still, you know, prepped a little bit as much as we could, you know, making slides – you know, of like just different ideas, what we're going to do for the, these episodes in there, like, like regardless, new stuff still come up, you know, whether we learn something new or we realize something like what we got to put, you know, in the beginning, but yeah, we're working on it. Like Billy saying, and we're, and we're going to progress from here, you know, especially with a new app that we got to go for, we get kicked out again. Who are you telling? We got kicked out like what three different times. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, almost lost connection <laughs> like like the other time too. <laughs> like you just went quiet. You, you explained. It. I was like, let me just stay. Let me just stay. Then I went into the middle. Bro, it's, it's like especially with the whole going out thing. I'm like, bro, I got good signal. You got good signal. What in the world is going on? <laughs> yeah. That is wild. I mean, I can't even go on no other app. <laughs> oh, we won't go on no. Yeah, we're gonna find something. Oh, yeah, we are gonna find something else real soon. I, I promise we're gonna have some type of video at least slides up, but you know, I digress. But I think uh, this episode is probably coming to a close. I hope. The terminology of, uh, has helped y'all a little bit more understanding of the crypto and stock market. I know it's a little confusing, a little overwhelming, but again, you're going to hear this a lot. So I hope this helped. And again, this is financial advice. This is for entertain- entertainment purposes only. We just like talking about money. Yeah, we just like talking about money. Uh, we ain't rich, though. <laughs> like talking about money. Yes, sir. But I hope y'all have a good one. 
It's time for us to dip out. Enjoy yourselves. All right, peace. Peace.